listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. Good to see you guys. If I haven't gotten the chance to meet you yet, my name's Dylan, and I am one of the pastors here at Long Hollow. Um, and it's good to see a lot of you that we haven't seen for a few months. You've been away to college or wherever, and oh man, we're glad to have you tonight. Hey, if you are maybe new or you're coming back around for the first time in a while, I want to encourage you to go back and listen on the podcast to our message that we had Last week, because this is really a two-part uh, series that we're in on our benediction that we say each time we gather as we leave. So those verses that Kendall just read, Hebrews 13, 20, and 21, those are our benediction. And we talked last week about the first verse of that, and tonight we're focusing on verse 21. So that's where we're going to focus our attention tonight. I really would encourage you to go back and listen to our discussion on verse 20 if you haven't gotten to do so already. Um, you may know that the NFL draft was last week in Kansas City. So it's honestly, for those guys that are trying to get drafted, man, maybe the most grueling interview process for a job in the world. So these teams are trying to decide, they got 53 spots to fill. And so they're trying to pick the best of the best. Like if you don't make the cut, they are not going to take a chance on you. If they don't like what they see on film, or if they hear something in an interview about your character, or if they talk to a coach and there's anything questionable about you, they're not gonna take a chance with their money and with their team and with their fans to pick you for their team, right? But this is a lifelong dream for these guys that are going through the process and hoping to be drafted. And for many of them, that day is a really cool day getting drafted, right? Um, but draft day is honestly just the beginning. Like you get to celebrate for about 24 hours and then it's time to get to work, right? And it's time to determine who on this team is actually going to make the cut, who makes that final roster, who is actually going to reach their full potential as a football player. And there are a lot of factors that go into it, right? But really, for the most part, it's up to that guy to determine how much time and energy and effort and study he wants to put into it to reach that full potential. Now, most guys don't make it. Most guys, after three years, they're already out of football and they're doing some other job. But for some guys that you know by name, the Derrick Henrys of the world, they're superstars. They put in the time, they put in the effort, and man, for whatever reason, they made it. Like, they hit their stride. They hit their full potential as a football player. Now, we all want to hit that, that full potential. We all want to maximize our life, right, in whatever, whatever arena of life you find yourself in, like, that's a fine thing to work towards. But what if I told you, you hitting your maximum potential is actually impossible? Sure, you can, you can work and you can put all of your energy and all of your hustle and all of your striving into some pursuit. And you can hit a ceiling. But man, what if I told you God looks at your potential that you see for your life and man, he laughs at it because of how small it is compared to what he would do through you if you would let him. Because here's the secret of your potential in life. Man, if you're letting God be the driving force in your life, there is no such thing as a maximum potential. Like God wants to do things in our life that are exceedingly beyond what we could ask or think, right? That's the type of life that I hope you want for yourself. 
It's the type of life that I want for me and for my family. I want to see God do things in my life, in my life that I know could have only come about because of him. I hope that's what you came into tonight wanting, but if not, I hope that's what you leave wanting tonight is to see, man, what kind of potential do I have when God is the one fueling my life? That's where we're going to be in Hebrews 13 tonight. You can go ahead and be turning there. We're just focusing on this one verse. We got one verse last week. We got one verse tonight. Um, I hope that kind of stuff excites you. If, you. if you haven't listened to Pastor Robbie's sermon from this Sunday, please go listen to that too. I'm giving you hours of podcasts to go listen to, but I get excited about one verse because there are endless minds to depth, to, to find the depths of, in just one verse, y'all. Like you can never exhaust this book, and it's a book that we can trust. I mean, I hope you'll go back and listen to everything Pastor Robbie had to say about this book this past Sunday. But let's read Hebrews 13, just verse 21. It says, God will equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us as we begin. God, I pray that tonight that we would see that the life that we might have for ourselves pales in comparison to what you would do with our life. God, I pray that we would have stirred up in us a desire to do your will, to live a life that is pleasing to you, to lay our desires aside and to only want what you would want for our lives. God, would you do that within us tonight? Lord, I don't come with compelling speech of words of wisdom, but only in the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you open our eyes so that we might see wondrous things in your word tonight? I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, last week... We talked about the God of this benediction. He's a God of peace. Uh, he's a God who wants peace with you, and we find that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we find our peace there, Jesus becomes our shepherd, and he wants to shepherd us as one of his sheep. And tonight what we're talking about is what that shepherded life looks like. When you actually do submit to Jesus and let him guide your life, this is what that life can look like. And there, there are some actions that God takes in our life, and then there's an end result that we're going to get to. And the first action he takes in our life is just equipping. He equips us. Very simply, there is an equipping action that takes place in that very first part of verse 21, where he just says, he'll equip you with everything good to do his will. Now, there are, there are plenty of promises that we see in the Bible that sometimes get taken out of context. They're promises for specific people and specific times and specific places that sometimes we try to claim for ourselves. And that's, that's not an area we want to get into. But, hey, if you want a promise for your life, here's one right here. You got a promise that, man, if you're going to be in God's will, if you will do what he wants you to do with his life, he will equip you. Like God will not lead you into some area of life. He will not lead you to some task or some calling that he will not provide for, right? Why, why would he do such a thing? You've probably heard it said this way before. God doesn't call the equipped. No matter how equipped you are on the front end, he's going to equip those that he calls. That's the type of God that we have uh, and the type of God that we serve and who equips us. That's a promise. 
Like, I hope you'll walk out of here tonight going, man, I have a promise from God. If you didn't realize that beforehand, that's a promise from God. So what does it actually look like for God to equip us? I want to give you kind of a, the word picture here for, for, if we're talking about this actual word here that's here for equip. A pastor named H.B. Charles, he described this word this way. Here, keep these images in your mind as we walk through this idea of equipping. So he says this term was used to describe soldiers being equipped with weapons and other rations needed for battle. It was used for sailors loading their ships with goods before they set sail. It was used for doctors setting a broken bone so that it may heal. And it was used for fishermen mending their nets. And these pictures all describe the process of preparing or shaping or adjusting or mending or restoring something for use. It's to make something fit or ready or capable of use. Let me read that last line one more time for you. It is to make, to equip, is to make something fit or ready or capable of use. I hope that description of equipping is encouraging to you, to all of you, but, but especially maybe if you feel like you're not worthy of being used. The, the implication with equipping is that you need equipping. Like you're not prepared for whatever this task is on the front end. There's something that needs to take place before you're ready for it. So man, all of us are in the same boat of no matter if you feel like your past is too much to overcome for God to use, no matter if you feel like there's too much sin there, no matter if you feel like you're too new to the faith, you don't have the right answers to questions, God can use you. God is the one. He, he sees your brokenness, whatever that particular brokenness in your life is. He sees it and he says, y'all, I'm the one who can fix it. I'm the one who can set the brokenness right. I'm the one who can take your story and redeem it and use it to bring glory to my name and bring others to myself. God's the one who is ready to do that no matter your story. You don't disqualify yourself. When God's the one equipping us, I hope you will be encouraged by that. And here's the key to it. God will do that stuff for you if you'll trust him. If you'll trust him. That's the key right there is trusting God to do the work through you. Because what do we see in Hebrews eleven six? This is This is kind of where, this is the qualifier right here. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Real simple, if you don't have faith, you're not going to be able to do things that please God. It all starts, it doesn't matter what the rest of the specifics are of this equipping. If you don't have faith to begin with, it's impossible to please God. And sometime soon, I would so love for you to go back and read all of Hebrews 11. It's that hall of faith passage where it lists so many people over and over again. If you want a, an example of what it looks like to be equipped to do God's will and to do it in faith, and go spend some time in Hebrews 11 because it's story after story after story of people who lived by faith. And in the, there are 40 verses in that chapter, and he uses the word faith 27 times. And he kind of gets to the point where you're like, okay, I get it. Like, all these people did this stuff by faith. But he's trying to hammer home the point. Like, if you, don't, if you don't have a faith in Jesus to begin with and a faith and a confidence in him that he can work in your life, man, it, we, we got to start there before we move to anything else. And I, I want to give you a definition of faith that I learned as a kid. This was from my pastor at the church I grew up at. It just says, faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances or consequences. I think that's really simple. I think it's something that you can remember 
something you can have in the back of your head all the time. Faith is just confident obedience to whatever God's called me to. What I see in his word that he's leading me to, no matter what the circumstances are or the consequences that might come my way. So, so when you, here's what this is trying to tell us, when you have faith in God, when you're allowing him to work through your life, you have everything, everything you need. That's, that's what it says. You have everything you need to do God's will. Now, he's not going to equip you to do stuff that's outside of his will. Like, we're, we're plenty good at doing that stuff on our own, right? But, man, when you're in God's will, there is nothing he will ever lead you to do that he's not going to equip you to do. You can walk in faith and you can walk in confidence following the Lord. So how's that possible? Like, where does this equipping come from? Where does the, where does the faith come from that I have to put in God? We have to answer that question, where this faith comes from. And I, and I kind of started answering the question unintentionally last night with, with my oldest son. We were grilling some chicken. Both boys are out there with me. And I, I forget how we got to this part of the conversation, but he says, Daddy, there's actually a lot of gods because there are a lot of people and God lives in us. And I was thinking, I was really not planning on getting into the doctrine of the Trinity with my four-year-old while I grilled chicken tonight. But here we go, I guess. <laughs> and so I got to, it was kind of cool. I got to, for the first time in his young life, Tell him there's this thing called the Holy Spirit um, who dwells in all of us as followers of Jesus. Um, and that is who, that is how God dwells in, in all people, right? Um, all people that follow Jesus. And I told him, you could call it the Holy Spirit or just the Spirit. And he said, no, Daddy, it's Holy Spirit. I'm like, okay. Um, you've heard of this for 45 seconds, but you got it, son. Uh, but that's, I got to tell him, like, the Holy Spirit is what makes us brave when we're scared. The Holy Spirit is what helps us know right from wrong. When we've done something, we, we feel this thing. I told him, if, I, if there are times where I feel like I'm too hard on you as your dad, like that's the Holy Spirit telling me that I, I was not right in that situation. And it was just neat getting to, to open his eyes a little bit to that. But here's the thing. When you, when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, here's what you're equipped with. Galatians 5 would tell us, you have these things at your disposal. If you're, if you're just ready and willing to use them, Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit are just love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maybe you know the song from when you were a kid, right? That, that's good stuff to have inside of you. It says we're equipped to do good. Those are good characteristics, and they're good characteristics because they're reflections of God that you can see in your own life. God, God fills us with the Holy Spirit. That's our equipping for everything good that we could do through his will. And when you're, when you're walking step for step with the Spirit, y'all, doing God's will kind of takes care of itself. Because if you're walking close with the Spirit, man, he's, the Spirit's not going to lead you to do something that's outside of his will, right? So maybe, that's, maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe our practice tonight is, man, I've got to be more in tune with the Holy Spirit. And, and I would ask you, when was the last time that you intentionally asked the Spirit for help or for equipping in whatever task or for guidance in a decision? When was the last time you turned to him and said, man, I, I can't do this. I need some help, God. I would imagine for many of us, maybe it's been a while. And I would encourage you tonight to get back to that where you're asking the Holy Spirit for help. 
God's working in us. He fills us. He does the equipping in us. He gives us these tools, if you will. And the next action that God takes in our lives, he shows us what to do with the tools that he's given us. So he starts working in our life. That's the next kind of main idea of this passage. He starts working in us. So he's equipped us with everything to do his will. The next part of the verse says this. He's working in us what is pleasing in his sight. So when you hear that line, he's working in us what's pleasing in his sight, and this is, you can actually participate here. What's the question that probably ought to come to mind when you read that line? We're going to do what is pleasing in God's sight. What is it that is pleasing in God's sight? Well, if we want to do that, we've got to figure out what it is that is actually pleasing to God, right? The good news is God doesn't just leave us guessing on these things, right? As a matter of fact, all of chapter 13 leading up to these two verses is telling you what a life following after God ought to look like. A lot of stuff that ought to be included, a lot of really tangible things that you ought to see in your life if you're pursuing him to do his will. If you're letting God work in and through you to do what is pleasing in his sight. We see hospitality. I mean, you can go back through this whole chapter and, and break it down for yourself, but we see hospitality. We see remembering those who are suffering for the faith, keeping a holy sexuality, no matter what stage of life you're in, fighting for contentment and fighting against greed in your life, looking to your leaders as examples in the faith. I think there's a humility aspect there of, it says to examine your leaders and see if it looks like they're living a godly life. And if they are, be willing to follow those people, be willing to listen and learn from them um, stick to Jesus is kind of one of the main principles in chapter 13. That sounds really basic to us, right? But we, our, our compass should always be leading us back to Jesus no matter what we're, uh, no matter what we're doing. And then the, the last principle that we see in there is just praying for and listening to your leaders. I know that's an area I think I could improve a lot in is actually praying for our pastor. Man, he, he, none of us realize the weight that he's under as the senior pastor of a church of any size, um, but especially one that has the, the impact that Long Hollow has been blessed to have. Y'all, when you see a list like that anywhere in scripture, here, anywhere else, what I hope that you will see is that following Jesus, is that trying to live a life that's pleasing to God, y'all, that's an all-consuming pursuit. There is no part of your life that is left out of that. It is every moment of every day. What can I do that is pleasing in God's sight? It's an all-consuming pursuit. And I'm going to ask God in a, in a few minutes to, to show you, man, are there things in your life that are not pleasing to him right now? Because we need to take care of that. <laughs> if, I, if I want God to work in me and through me, man, I've got to get rid of this stuff that's not pleasing to him. So I want to be a vessel that is ready for use, right? So what, what is it that is pleasing in his sight? You know, this is, it's our whole life. And way too often we fall into this Christianity that is, God, thanks for the salvation. Man, can't wait to get to heaven someday. I'll do my best while I'm here, and I'll see you there. You know, that's, that's not it. Like, that's not Christian. If that's the version of Christianity you subscribe to, that's not the gospel, and you're missing out. You're missing out on a whole life now of following God and trusting him to work in and through you. Um, we follow Jesus standing firm in a position of God died for me, so I'll live for him. That's a real simple mindset to be in. 
if the Lord was willing to send his son to die for me, then man, the least I can do is live for him. And this is every area of life. It's when you're out playing pickleball 30 minutes from now. How are you playing pickleball with your, with your friends? It's when you go to Slim's, how are you treating the cashier that takes your order? How are you interacting with your professors? Like, do you treat them with respect? Is when you go to the Taylor Swift concert Friday night, are you conducting yourself in a way that is pleasing to the Lord? Like, you don't get to just check out because you go to downtown Nashville, right? I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I know some of you are going. Just keep in mind, y'all, like, you are a representative of the Lord everywhere you go, every aspect of your life. There's no part of life that you get to check out on following Jesus with. Y'all, it's, it's the way you dress. It's the way uh, you buy things or don't buy things, how you handle your money. It's the pictures that you post. It's what you do with your screen time. It's how much screen time you have. All of it. All, all of it. It's all consuming this following of Jesus. There, there are no areas where you get an exception. And I know, I know, y'all, there's so many places where I feel like, man, I, I've got to lean on the Lord here. But then there are other spots where it's like, I mean, I feel like I kind of got this one. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't lie. Like, I, I can do that kind of on my own. That's, that's not what Jesus wants for you. No, he didn't want you to just not lie. He wants you to embrace being a truth teller, embrace wisdom and embrace truth. Like, that's, there's no area of life where you just got it. You're fooling yourself if you're thinking you got it somewhere. Y'all, everything we do, we put it through this filter of is this pleasing to God? There's, there's a filter there that we have to use. And really, I think it's maybe simpler than we act like it is a lot of the time. I, I mentioned to my discipleship group last week, I started noticing as, a, as I'm reading this year in King David's life, he followed God well for the most part, right? And so much of the time, it was just because he asked God, hey God, should we do this? Yes or no? And God would answer him. And as I was reading that, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, could I do that? Like, can I ask God a yes or no question and he gives me an answer? Like, I felt kind of silly. Like, is this, is this way too simple for it to work with God? Or is this so simple that why have I not been doing this my whole life? So this morning even, I was like, I need to at least give this a try before I go up here and preach about it tonight. This morning, there was just one, it's a simple decision I was trying to think through, and I'm like, Lord, I got these two options. This is kind of where I'm leaning. Should I do this? Just kind of sit and try to wait for the Lord. And y'all, I didn't see any, there was no audible voice. It wasn't written out in my cereal this morning. It was just, there was one option that I couldn't get comfortable with. And so I said, okay, I'll go this way. And I'm going to trust that I think I was sincere in asking for guidance there and if your heart's in the right place, and I think, I think he'll guide you. Like, why would he not? Um, let's, let's get good at asking God simple questions, and maybe we'll get really good at asking him for big stuff. Man, just, just give it a shot. Like, why would God not answer you when you come to him with a sincere heart asking him to lead you? Um, I can't think of a reason why he wouldn't do that. Now, there's, there's a word of caution to give there, too, like, man, we're, we get good, right, at making the voice of God sound a lot like our voice at times. We can be our own moral compass, and we want to be careful of that. But, man, like, God says he'll equip us. Like, why would he not 
answer us when he comes to In fact, he tells us he'll give us wisdom when we ask for it. Um, now, I can, I can hear some of the pushback that maybe somebody would give on a lot of this stuff, and it's just, man, is God like our boss? Like, why, why do we have to do what's pleasing to him? Why does he get to call the shots? It's, it's my life, right? And what I would tell you, the, the beautiful truth behind all of this is that the life that God would call you to, the life that is pleasing to him, is actually the life that's most pleasing to you. Like maybe the life that you think you could have would be really cool and it might be fun, but y'all, you, you're missing out if you're not letting God call the shots on your life. The life that is most pleasing to God is also the life that will most be pleasing to you. God's not going to save you from your sin and then call you to a lame life that you're like bored with. If, man, if you'll, if you'll go all in and, and follow God and let him call the shots and actually obey, he's going to call you to a life that, again, is exceedingly above all we could ask or think. Why would we not want that life? And I know, I know, y'all, that is so counterculture. It is, our culture is you-centered. <laughs> it's me-centered. Uh, and this is very counterculture, but, man, Let's, let's be counterculture, right? Like, let's see what Jesus would have for us and not just what I can come up with for myself. God does the equipping. God does the working in us. And the end result is this, is that God gets the glory. That's what we see in the final part of this verse 21. There's this glorifying that happens and it all goes to God. Verse 21, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the whole point of all of it. That's why we're the sheep and he's the shepherd. It's set up that way so that, man, we can't take any of the credit. Like, God does the equipping, he gets the credit. God does the working in us, he gets the glory because of it. God does it all, and that's exactly how it should be. Because think about it, you know, God, God was the one who started this whole thing. He's the one who's working in it now. He's the one who's going to finish it later. He creates the heavens and the earth. He creates you. He creates this way of salvation for you. He's the one that's been doing it all along. And then Philippians 1, 6 tells us, man, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If Jesus started it, he will finish it. He'll never leave your side. He will always be there ready to equip you, ready to empower you, ready to push you into his will, into an abundant life. And this, John Piper does a good job of showing how, man, this is good for God. I mean, what is good for God is good for us. So read this quote from John Piper with me, just not out loud, just in your head. But uh, that would have been weird if y'all had started... This is not the benediction for the night. Uh, this is what John Piper says about the glory that the shepherd gets versus the glory that the sheep get, which is none. He says, the glory of the great shepherd work is theirs, talking about the Godhead. The, the glory is theirs, not ours. We get the care. He gets the tribute as the shepherd caregiver. We get the protection. He gets the honor as the shepherd protector. We get the guidance. He gets the esteem as the shepherd guide. We get the provision, he gets the trust as the shepherd provider. We get the joy of being loved like this. He 
gets the glory. And there's a full stop here. The world works best when it operates in a way where God gets the glory. Your relationships work best when they operate in a way where God gets the glory. Your marriage works best when God gets the glory in it. Y'all, your whole life, every aspect of it, operates best when God gets the glory. I hope that's something that excites you. Like, man, I've got, if I live in a way where God gets the glory for my life, that's going to be a good life that I'm living. And I hope you're at a place where you're saying, all right, Dylan, like, this all sounds great. Man, I want to do this. I want to live out this benediction that we say each week. Like, where do I start? Where do I start? I want to do this. And the two things that I would tell you, these are real simple, and we don't have time for a whole second sermon tonight. But in short, be part of a body of believers like this. Com- commit to some body of believers. And I, this is full confession for me. There, y'all live in a cool place as 20-somethings. There are all kinds of worship gatherings all over town and if I'm honest, when I first moved into this position as young adult pastor, I kind of viewed those places as competition. And it's, man, it's so much harder than I realize not to view it that way. Because I want y'all here every Tuesday night, right? Like, I want to be able to say, yeah, they were all here. And I had, man, a couple of weeks ago, it hit me like, don't that is such the wrong attitude to have towards that stuff. Like, that's a blessing that y'all have so many places that you can go worship God together and be with peers, and build friendships. Here's the thing. I think they've got to operate as a supplement to wherever you're committed in the first place. Commit to, I'm, and I'm, that does not have to be long hollow. That is not what I'm saying. But pick a, pick a church that you are fully committed to, and then, man, do all the other stuff too. But you always have your home base. You, you've got to have that home base of people who are truly living life with you, who are truly pushing you to follow Jesus. Don't, don't go to all the other stuff without your home-based church. Make, make that your priority first and foremost. And then, I'm serious, y'all, have fun. Like, dude, I wish there was some of this stuff going on in Chattanooga when I was there. That would have been amazing to have something every night of the week that I could go do to worship God. Do that. Make sure you've got your home base also. The second thing would be this, man, being a body of believers, you've got to be in the Word of God. Again, I'm going to advocate for you to go back and listen or re-listen to what Pastor Robbie had to say about the Word of God this Sunday morning. Because here's, here's where the rubber meets the road on all this. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God, here it is, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. Amen. Your, your ability to know and live out the will of God in your life, y'all, it's directly tied to your dedication to the word of God. Like if you want to live out the will of God in your life, if you want to live a life that's pleasing to him, there, there's, you have to do this. <laughs> you have to be in the word of God. You, you're just not going to be able to just figure it out on your own. You know, what's cool is when you, when you have the word of God inside you, golly, the Holy Spirit is that much more. Is so, the Holy Spirit has so much more to pull from within you. Like, yeah, that verse that you have memorized, you need it right now. 
That's how the Spirit, born of the ways that he'll work in your life. Man, when you know the Word of God, you can't, if you want to know the will of God for your life, you have to know the Word of God. And as I've thought about how to bring this whole benediction to a close, I hope maybe there are times in your life, this is kind of where I've been thinking, like, is, is there a time in my life or multiple times where I can see, like, man, that was, I was there and I was participating in this thing that happened, but that was... God working all in it. Be able to, to be able to step back and see that in a moment is a really cool place to be. And, and the moment that came to mind for me was when I was just out of college. I was, I was working uh, with Campus Crusade, with crew at UTC. And man, I am no expert evangelist today, but I sure wasn't when I was 23 and fresh out of college and just trying out this ministry thing. I'm like, I, this, I know this is what God wants me to do, but I don't have a clue what I'm doing, right? Um, and so I sit down with a guy named KJ. I'm scared to death to scare the, share the gospel with somebody. I've had all the training, like my, my supervisors, they've, they've taught me how to do it, and, but I'm still scared to death. And that's for one, how I know it was God working because I wouldn't have sat down and done it just by myself. But we, we used a booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. I don't know if any of you are familiar with it, but you can about do the presentation today. Um, hey, just like, KJ, just like we have physical laws that govern the universe, you drop your booklet on the table, gravity, right? There are also spiritual laws that govern our spiritual lives. And the first one that we see in Scripture is that God loves you. Man, he's got a wonderful plan for your life. And that's how, that's how the conversation starts. And I'm sitting there, and I go through all four laws. I've shown him all the Scripture, and I bring him to the point of decision. Like, man, do you, would you call yourself a follower of Jesus already, or do you think that's not true of your life? And there was this weird thing that happened. Man, he said, no, nah, I don't know Jesus. And I'm like, oh, that was, man, I kind of thought you did going into this thing. I wasn't planning on that being your answer. And then a weirder thing happened when I asked, like, well, do you want to start following Jesus? Like, do you want to make him the Lord of your life? And he's like, yeah. You know, I don't know what to do with that. I was totally, that is not how I saw the end of the conversation going. Um, and I don't know what my next sentence was, but I'm sure it was not the smoothest thing I've ever said but man, it was, it was so cool watching KJ that day start following Jesus. And I texted him today. Um, the guy, he married a girl who loves Jesus. They got two sons. Their names are Leon and Otis, which is pretty awesome. Um, probably the will of God for those kids' life. And man, KJ is a faithful follower of Jesus today. And I'm able to look back on that moment. And, and the cool thing is, man, I can take zero credit or how that conversation went and what happened in KJ's life that day. Because, man, there's a lot to say for my lack of faith in that scenario, but think about what else is true there is, on the front end, God gave me enough trust to actually set that appointment and sit down with him. He equipped me with enough skill to walk through this gospel presentation and, and give him a chance to make a decision for Jesus. And there's no doubt he was the one working in KJ's life because I know it wasn't me giving the perfect presentation that, that made that happen, right? So what's the result of all that? We, we've seen the three aspects of this verse tonight working there, and the result is God gets the glory. Like, there's no way I can take credit for that. And all it took was just a little bit of faith on the front end. You build a little bit more faith. You build a little bit more faith. And God gets all the glory, I mean, I wouldn't trade that moment. Like there's, you look back on a moment where you followed God and seen God work and there's no doubt in your mind, there's nowhere else I would have rather been than watching God work in that moment. 
And I hope, I hope you have some moments like that already in your memory bank. And man, I, if you don't, oh, I hope you leave wanting those moments tonight where you've seen God work through you. Because friend, I, I, would you believe tonight that if you can trust God for your eternal salvation, if you can trust him with that, man, you can trust him with today. If you can trust him with eternity, can we not trust him with today? And that's, that's really part of what we're declaring when we think about this benediction, when we recite it. And I hope when you see these words and when you say them out loud, man, I hope you're reminded and inspired to live a life that is pleasing to God. Don't, we talk about potential. Man, if you, if you pass on living the life that's pleasing to God, just know you're limiting yourself. Uh, you, you're missing out on, a, on what your life could look like. Don't, man, don't put those limits on yourself. You've got some kind of potential just with you as a human being contributing to the world. But man, don't limit yourself by, by choosing lesser than. Instead, man, let's live, let's live in such a way that each of us could look back on our lives one day and say, man, wow, look at what all God did. Let me pray for you. Just as we, as we begin praying, and I hope you will take just a moment as we talk about living a life that is pleasing to God, would you ask him right now in a, in a posture of prayer, would you ask God to bring to mind anything that's in your life right now that is not pleasing to him? Ask him to do that, and man, he, he will. Uh, maybe if, if not even in this moment, keep asking the question tonight. And I promise you, if there's something there, he'll show that to you. And man, he'll, he'll equip you to get out of that too, right? And Lord, I pray, I pray that you would ask God to even, uh, ask God to highlight things in your life where you are doing well. Like God's not just a condemning God, right? Ask him to show you places where you are doing well, places where you are living a life that is pleasing to him. Do that in this moment right now and maybe even continue this conversation with the Lord later tonight. God, I pray as we're all doing business with you right now. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would bring things to mind that need to be taken out of our lives and that we would do that even in a radical way if necessary. Lord, I pray that you would give us all a desire to give you glory with our lives. I pray that that would be our motivation, that would be our inspiration, God, that when we wake up in the morning, you would give us a heart that wants to please you so that you get the glory for our lives. Lord, would you be diligent to lead each of us in what that looks like for us as individuals? And God, we give you glory on the front end for what you're gonna do in each of our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' holy name, amen.